Hey, this is Kundai Bajikikai, and I'm the volunteer coordinator with the All African Peoples Development and Empowerment Project, and you're listening to Rebuke. Hi, this is Aisha Fields. I'm the International Director for the All African Peoples Development and Empowerment Project, and you're listening to Rebuke. Hey, everyone, this is Marcus, the realest man in Huntsville, and you're now listening to Rebuke. Today makes our 19th episode, and we have a great topic to discuss. I want to give thanks to my followers for listening, sharing, and donating to my podcast. And you can also uh, continue to uh, donate to my podcast by going to the cash app, dollar sign Rebuke. That is R-E-B-U-K-E-E-0-6. That is uh, dollar sign R-E-B-U-K-E-E-0-6. So before I go into the title of my lesson, I want to go and talk about um, uh, why I brought this. I wanted to do this interview. Um, I went to a, I believe, a Martin Luther King uh, program at this place. And uh, the, the, the program was very excellent. Uh, and I saw it was an array of... Uh, African-Americans there. And even, even they had, uh, different, uh, news stations there, um, uh, uh, reporting the, the festival and stuff like that. But as the program went along, I started hearing about this organization and I'm like, man, Ooh, what is this? I'd never heard of this organization and they're doing a very, uh, doing a lot of things in the community, not only community, they're doing a lot of things for the motherland, Africa. So no further ado, my title of this, uh, this episode is Helping Africa, A Journey with ADEP. So I have on the show today, Kundai and Dr. Field. So thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. So for the for the audience, uh, can you can you um, tell us or explain what does ADEP stands for, and tell everyone about your organization? Well, um, ADEP stands for the All African Peoples Development and Empowerment Project, and we usually go by the acronym since it's such a long um, <laughs> such a long uh, name of the organization. But we are. Um, community-based uh, nonprofit organization that was established by uh, the African People's Socialist Party, which leads the Uhura Movement. We were established um, by the party in 2007 with the goal um, of organizing African people. And when we say African people, we're not just talking about um, people who were born on the continent of Africa. Okay. We're talking about all, all those of us um, who have been forcibly dispersed around the world and find ourselves here in the United States or in the Caribbean or Europe or South America or wherever, you know, we may find ourselves. So, um, so that's how we define, you know, African people. So we have a responsibility and we were formed with the responsibility to organize African people with, um, certain kind of specialized skills, give, uh, to give them an opportunity to contribute skills to, um, to the freedom movement, to the liberation movement of African people, and to recognize um, our responsibility you know, as African people to the community. Um, and so our, our mission is really about um, making sure that we have uh, a space and an organization uh, where our people can, no matter what their skills may be, but particularly if they have skills in agriculture, um, education, you know, healthcare, and other development-related areas to have um, to have a, a place where those skills can be directed uh, not only to African communities here in the United States, again on the continent of Africa, but wherever we may be. So, 
Uh, that was the mission that we, you know, we were founded on in 2007. And since then, we've just been doing a lot. And I know we'll probably have a chance to talk about some of that, but mm-hmm. done a lot of work on the continent of Africa and um, in African communities here in the United States. And with the goal of being able to be wherever African people are, anywhere around the world, you know, organizing you know, development programs that immediately help us improve the quality of life for our people. Oh, that's oh. excellent. That's excellent. Um, the, my next part, the second part of that question is, I was going to ask you, is what region of Africa does ADEP focuses on? Because, you know, there's, there's East Africa, there's West Africa, and there's South Africa, and there's Central Africa. Uh, is there a particular region y'all focus on, uh, focus on, or y'all trying to make an uh, impact in Africa? Like you said, not just the people in, in the motherland, but everywhere. You're trying to focus on the whole continent. Go ahead. Yeah, I think that's an important question. Our, our work up to now that has been happening on the continent of Africa has been primarily in West Africa, but that's not because we have a special affinity for West Africa. It's just because that's where the most immediate opportunities have been based on our membership, you know, to be able to build programs. But we we recognize and really fight for the unity of Africa and African people, period. So even though do, like you said, uh, tend to talk about Africa in terms of regions, West Africa, East Africa, like you like you said, Central, North, Southern Africa, um, that we recognize that those countries, let's say, have um, that we tend to think of when we think about Africa, um, we, don't, we don't recognize those as being really legitimate borders or legitimate um, entities because all those countries were not... Um, created to meet the needs of African people. In fact, those borders weren't even drawn by African people. They were drawn by Europe, you know, in the Berlin Conference in 1884-85 and given the names that they were given. So our our, part of our work um, in ACTEP and throughout the Uhura movement is to win um, the the unity of Africa, African people, um, you know, no matter where we are. So we've done a lot of work in West Africa, our again, our our mission and our responsibility that we have to African people is to be wherever we are. Well, that's great. That's great. That's great. Now, my second question is because I've never been to Africa, but I hear I heard this rumor before, so I want you to to expound on it. I I, I heard that a few people say that, that some Africans don't really care for African Americans, so. My question is, what is your experience? Experience Is this true? And how does ADEP help bridge the gap between Africans and African-Americans? I think that's another important question. And I think uh, I'll say something, and I'm sure Kundai will have something to contribute to that, too. Oh, yo. oh I'm sorry. I, yeah. Kundai, you, said, no, you can't be too quiet, man. You got you to speak up, Kundai. <laughs> You know, that guy should be on point, but but I, I I you know I think this is an important question, and I I, I want to give I want to you know have her share her experiences of you know not just being there on the continent as a tourist or you know or whatever, but as a, as an organizer, somebody that's there to contribute to the growth and the development of Africa. I think it's important to hear that that perspective of this question. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I I just I appreciate because I think it's especially in the era that we're in now we have a responsibility to gain maximum clarity in terms of who we are and who we are not. Mm-hmm. I think that question is really, really important. And I would say that, um, first start off by saying again, that the Uhura movement and in ACTIP, you won't hear us talk about African-Americans. You won't mm-hmm. hear us talk about Jamaicans. You won't hear us talking about Ghanaians. You might hear us say, an African born in America or an African born in Jamaica or African born in Ghana or African born in Brazil, but you won't hear us using those kind of um, terms to define African people. Uh, Because again, we recognize that the only reason why we are in Huntsville, you know, or in Jamaica or Barbados or Brazil or a place called Ghana, as opposed to being called someplace else or a place called Nigeria as, a, as opposed to you know, being called someplace else is not based on anything, any decisions that we made, um, you know, as African people in our interests, but these were decisions that were forced on us. Mm. Uh, not to, again, not to meet the needs of our people, but to meet the needs 
uh, of, of white people in the white world at the expense of our people. So the so aspect of your question is, um, first of all, that we uh, see, despite what some, despite the fact that some of us might have these ideas in our brains, we are African-Americans and somehow different from real Africans, let's say, who live on the continent um, or any place else, like our understanding is, uh, I think it's the reality, is that there, uh, if we were on the continent of Africa and were drugged onto those slave ships as African people, we were forced off of those ships uh, in Virginia or in Louisiana or, you know, in uh, St. Kitts or wherever. Uh, we were Africans when we when we were uh, taken off of those boats. So there wasn't anything magical that happened on those boats that created a new creature. We were Africans then and we're African people now. Yeah. And um, but I know your question was a little different, but I wanted to kind of give that initial kind of understanding about how we see that whole question of identity. Okay. Um, but I would say from a young, young age, um, my parents and my family made it possible for like, for me and my siblings and other children in my community, because we grew up in a, what some people might call like an African-centered community, like in, in West Philadelphia. <laughs> and the people in our, in our community made it possible us as young people to recognize who we were and to make it possible for us to travel, you know, to go to Africa, to travel about the Caribbean and Europe and other places. And um, it has been my experience, and I know you were asking specifically about the continent of Africa. Even prior to my work in APDEP or joining APDEP or the African People's Socialist Party, I had, uh, I was really uh, fortunate to have had the opportunity to travel several times prior to that to Africa as a, you know, uh, as a student or as a tourist, quotations. Even without the organizational kind of work I was doing, my experience was only overwhelmingly positive. Okay. I never, ever, ever had any kind of, um, any kind of uh, interaction that made me feel like anything less than a sister or daughter, you know, was returning home. That was was my experience, and I do know other people who have had other experiences. But what I recognize is that when when African people from here or any other place go to the continent as a sister, or they go to the continent as a daughter, they go to the continent, you know, as an African, they're treated as such. When they go to the continent acting like an arrogant American, then they get treated like <laughs> like arrogant Americans. So okay. that's been that's been my personal experience. You know? Got you. I got you. Got you. Mm-hmm. I know Kunda and I have uh, you don't have anything to say on that, Kunda? No, I think um I unite. I think that first of all that African people here have to um, understand that that we are African. We're not African American, you know, whatever that you know may be. Um, that we are one African people, and if you go to the continent, if you interact with any African that was born on the continent, as if like Dr. Aisha said, like you African, then that's how you're going to be treated. And I think you know, I think it's a very small because I'm sure there are, there may be a few people, you know, some of your viewers that may have gone to the continent and be like, oh, I was treated as you know X Y Z. And um, and can say that that's their personal experience, but um, I think it's it's a very 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 small sector of African people that are on the continent that would um, reject African people that are born anywhere else. And like Aisha said, if you if you go there as as a son or daughter of Africa, that's that's how you're going to be treated, and that's real African culture. Anything other than that, and to even argue that is it just doesn't even speak in the interest of African people. Mm-hmm. Okay, I hear you. I hear you. Oh, you sound like you might have a different experience. How do you? How do you I, see? It? Oh, oh no, I, I never been to Africa, so I don't. But <laughs> so, okay, well, not even with Africa, yeah. but like maybe your interactions here. Like, have you have you had a different experience, or have you seen it differently? Um, no, no. I, I actually, okay. I, I actually had a positive experience. Mm-hmm. You know with Africans uh, since I've been here. So, but only mm-hmm. you know, besides them being, you know, the, the bad, you know, couple uh, instructors <laughs> trying, to, instructors. <laughs> trying to understand their, uh, their, you know, they dialect trying to teach a hard class. Besides that, I never had a bad experience. So, okay. Okay. But, uh, my, I've done some research on your organization and, mm-hmm. and I see that y- y'all, 
that ADEP focuses on four key areas mm-hmm. to help the Africa, Africa and the African people. Mm-hmm. Uh, healthcare, agriculture, education, and the, uh, the co-assignment. Can you break down each area and, and how ADEP contributes? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so, as you mentioned, like we have um, really in terms of our programs, we have three key areas. And then, as you mentioned, we have our economic institution, um, Zenzele consignment. Mm-hmm. Um, but but our uh, primary areas of focus in terms of the programs that we establish are in agriculture. And um, we have from the very beginning been really involved in one degree or another with um know, uh, helping to organize Black people into um, community garden collectives. Um, We've been really involved in um, establishing community gardens, community farms, both on the continent of Africa and in various, you know, African communities here in the United States. Um, We do that because we recognize that uh, an aspect of what we have to be able to do as African people is uh, is to be able to feed ourselves that we and we can see even right now this era of COVID-19 uh, in particular which is really sh- um, many ways uh, showing us um, how f- fragile the whole um, uh, how things are in terms of like if we're depending on other people to to uh to have food accessible for us, uh, how how fragile and vulnerable we are in that kind of a position. So, you know, we've uh, you know we've done a lot of work around again, like sharing uh, skills around gardening and farming, and um, an effort for us to be as self sufficient as possible. You know, um, we focus uh, on um, education as another one of our key areas. And um, with the education, not to interrupt, but the education part, do you uh, are y'all building schools or y'all providing books? What, what, what in the education y'all ADEP is doing in, in the continent of Africa? We've done several different kinds of uh, educational uh, initiatives, particularly in Africa. I know that's what you're asking. Um, so we've built vocational, vocational school. At one time we had. Prior to the Ebola epidemic in 2014, which kind of really uh, forced us to uh, to um, kind of like move in a different direction in many of our programs that we had on the continent, because that the Ebola epidemic really mm-hmm. put everything on hold in West Africa for a couple of years. So it really impacted our programs there. So prior to that, we had uh, uh, we had established a vocational school that was primarily focused on young uh, women, childbearing age, teaching them skills uh, that they could use to create their own businesses. So we got things like uh, uh, basket weaving, computer, um, you know, uh, basic computer literacy skills, uh, hairdressing, catering, um, other kind of, you know, concrete skills that could be um, used to create Businesses so that the women would have the ability to, to generate income for themselves. Uh, we um, we had uh, uh, established a nursery school short af- shortly after we established the vocational school, and that was done because a lot of the young sisters who had come into our vocational school needed um, childcare, or their children didn't have, even if they didn't need childcare, which many of them did. Um, children uh, they couldn't afford uh, to put their children in school. There were no schools available for their younger children. So we initiated a nursery school and many of the, of the young women who attended our vocational school, their children attended the APDEP uh, nursery school. We've organized lots of like a community health workers training, which is another aspect of, of our educational and healthcare work where we've trained everyday community people, uh, hundreds of them on everything from how to uh, prevent, identify and treat waterborne diseases, to um, how to uh, identify and prevent Ebola virus disease. Uh, done, all, uh, you know, adult literacy, adult um, computer program, uh, adult literacy, adult computer uh, skills training, variety of educational programs on the continent. And then we have a Marcus Garvey youth program in that we've had in the States, it was initiated in DC, Washington, DC, 
initiated that program in about 2012, and we have it uh, now uh, in Huntsville as a part of the uh, part of our uh, educational work that we do with um, with uh, African children. So, done a lot of work around the whole question of education, and a big part of it is making sure that our people have access to skills that they w- and, and understanding political education, um, other kind of you know um, access to things that they wouldn't typically get in the the, uh, colonial education system, equipping our people with a vision of the future, you know, uh, and their role in bringing our people to a day where we can be a self-governing, self-determining people. That's a major aspect of the education work that we we build. Okay. What about the healthcare? Do y'all build hospitals or what uh, what aspect ADEP helps in the healthcare arena? Let Kunda take that one on. Then if there's anything I can say on that, I'll, I'll follow it up. But go ahead, take that one on, Kunda, healthcare. Um, so with the healthcare programs of APDEP, um, APDEP has initiated maternal healthcare centers in uh, West Africa, Sierra Leone, where uh, we had 3,000 successful uh, births without the death of a mother or an infant. Wow, um, that's uh, Aisha could probably speak more to the mortality rate that was um, in Sierra Leone at that time. But um, and also we initiated uh, Project Black Unk, where Project Black Unk uh, was was able to go into West Africa um, during the Ebola epidemic, and we weren't able to provide like direct healthcare to um, Ebola, but was able to um, uh, help Ebola vic- e- Ebola victims. Um, what's the word? Kind of um, bring them back into society, um, into their communities and make the community more aware of Ebola and just to embrace the Ebola victims um, as opposed to kind of be shunned or pushed out of the community. And then Project Black Unk right now currently is uh, is building, uh, Project Black, let me back up, Project Black Unk is an emergency response team. It's the African's response to, to the Red Cross. The uh, um, white world has Red Cross um, there to respond to, you know, emergencies and natural disasters and things of that nature. But what, you know, white people experience as natural disasters, African people, you know, we recognize the experience um, imperialists imposed disasters. And so Project Black Unk was initiated by and for African people. And right now, Project Black Unk, obviously, with the current pandemic that, you know, that we're experiencing, is developing a telehealth program under Dr. Aisha's leadership. And uh, the telehealth program, we're hoping, can be kicked off at the end of this month. And it's going to be um, where African people can call into the telehealth program and receive uh, uh, medical information um, at, you know, at their disposal and can have set up appointments and things like that with professional uh, health care providers. Oh, that's great. That's great. And the last part is this, uh, I have a hard time saying the name, but the, the co-assignment, what, 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 what role is the, your, your business, uh, helps out with, uh, Africans and, and people of, uh, people of Africa in the United States and abroad. Yes. Um, I, I, well, one, I really want to appreciate, um, how you pose that question. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but next, I think uh, Zinzalek consignment, uh, first of all, Zinzalek means to do for self. And I think the store name alone, it just, it, it, it has, it's meaningful, you know, and, and it speaks to our people. And, but Zinzalek consignment was established as an economic institution uh, for us to, as uh, the deputy chair of our um, movement of our uh, organization that established APDEX always says to get off the treadmill of, of fundraising. And so for us to have regular resources coming in to fund our programs. So Zinzley, although it's, it's an African boutique here in Huntsville, and although we have, you know, really cute clothing and accessories, artwork and natural body care products, the most important thing and what separates Zinzley from other, you know, African shops or any, any other store for that matter, um, is it funds know, the programs of the All African People's Development and Empowerment Project. And not only that, but it's a it's a space for African people to have. It's a political and social hub for the African community here in Huntsville. And, you know, obviously right now with the store being closed, we, you know, can't function in the same way right now, but people can 
um, still shop online. They can come into the store with, you know, certain safety, you know, measures in place. But the store is really our, our political, it's our outreach center. It's a political and social hub for the community. And it raises resources for, you know, for us to be able to make these programs affordable and accessible to the black community. Oh, man, that's great. That's great. I'm loving your organization. The more y'all speak. Right. <laughs> the more y'all speak, I'm loving you. I'm falling in love with your organization. All now, right. Now, the, right on. Now, the, the next question is very important to me because um, I did a um, I did a, a episode called We Need More UOC, Not Prayers and Marching. And UOC stands for Unification, Organization, and Confrontation. Hmm. Now, um, I don't want to go in depth into that because that, that, they'll take away from the show. But the reason why I said that is that is I see in your vision statement that it talks about a united Africa. Mm-hmm. Please elaborate what does that uh, does a united Africa look like to you mm-hmm. and to aid that? Because to me, that's a, the biggest problem of African people. Because mm-hmm. you know, there's over 250 tribes in in, in mm-hmm. Nigeria. There's over 96 tribes in, I believe, uh, in Ghana, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they're still from that country. But for mm-hmm. for, for some reason, uh, mm-hmm. me and, and, and I'm just using this example. For me mm-hmm. and you, we have a problem unifying and trying to to solve our problems of oppression so so please tell tell the audience what is a unified africa look like to ada yes that's an excellent question i think this is the best interview i've done in a long long time because you're asking all the critical questions i really appreciate that um i really appreciate that and um so just to get started first of all uh African people, right, um, from the moment we were snatched from the continent of Africa, mm-hmm. from the moment we were snatched, we've been resisting. Mm-hmm. No, we, nobody wanted to leave home nope. to be drugged on a, on a boat, to go to God knows where, um, you know, um, and then to get there to find it, uh, if you survived the boat ride, that you were someplace where you were expected to uh, work for free. You know, mm-hmm. and to uh, endure the most heinous acts that any human being could uh, could do to another. You know what I mean? And then to and then to have to exist in that, survive in that uh, condition for hundreds of years. Not only here in the United States, not only in the Caribbean, not only in South America, but also in the continent of Africa that we don't tend to talk about because. We haven't been given that historical understanding that uh, that that um, Africa itself uh, was attacked. That's what allowed us, or that's what brought us here. It was an attack on Africa that brought us here, and Africa was colonized, dominated, and our people were, you know, dominated and colonized and divided up, just like we said a moment ago the very same people who snatched us and brought us here and dominated us right mm-hmm. so the poverty that you see in Africa the violence that you see in Africa uh, all of the things that we could look at that, that make us say nobody should have to live like that the root cause of that is the exact same as all of the things that we could say about the problems that we have as African people in this country or any place else when you look at the violence the African people experience the police violence, to the horizontal violence, which a lot of times people want to raise in response to the police violence. But when we say horizontal violence, we're talking about violence among the people. Right. It happens because the conditions that have been created have us fighting each other uh, uh, as opposed to fighting our enemy. It's much safer to fight each other than it is to fight our enemy. Except now that's not as true. And because uh, we always having to compete with each other over scraps. You know, so those are conditions that have been placed on us that create that aspect of violence among the people. You know what I mean? So if you look at poverty, the lack of everything that we have here, all the things that we would say are problems in our community has the exact same root as the problems that we would sum up exist in Africa or in Jamaica or in Brazil or in any other place. We weren't uh, 
we weren't on drugs in Africa. We didn't have our children being kidnapped by the state and in foster care in Africa. We didn't have project housing in Africa. We didn't have, um, you know, the, 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 the violence and the miseducation and the lack of this and lack of that and too much. Of this. We didn't have that in Africa. Right. We were snatched and those conditions were imposed on us. So I'm setting the stage to say that the root cause of all of that, even us thinking that we're somehow different from Africans on the continent, or you can be in some place like Miami and say, black people live in this community and the Haitians live in that community and the Jamaicans live in that community. Where if everybody shut their mouth and nobody said a word and you just look at, at, at those so-called black people so-called Haitians and so-called Jamaicans, you wouldn't know who you were looking at. All you see is a black person. You wouldn't have any clue until they start talking and you hear the accent, or maybe they have one net fish shirt and the shiny shoes if you're Jamaican. Now, I'm just going to keep you away from <laughs> Unless you look at something like that, you don't know what you're looking at. You just know. You just know. You just know you see a black person. So all of that, even all of that is, all of that is like has been created by attack on Africa. So now when we talk about a united Africa, we're talking about, first of all, something that African people have been fighting for from the beginning. Africans here were fighting to go back home when we knew that there was a home. We were fighting to go home. Same thing everywhere. We were fighting to get away from this place, go back where we came from. That was a fight, even though it wasn't necessarily something that people were conscious of happening on a that wasn't necessarily connected to each other. That was a part of the fight for a united Africa. When we start looking at it consciously, we can look at movements like Marcus Garvey that got 11 million African people into the Universal Negro Improvement Association. 11 million African people around the world determined that we were all African people and that our future lied in Africa and, and built steamship lines to trade with each other get ourselves back home. And the only reason why I was defeated is because the United States government and a handful of black people who didn't think that had the confidence in the people to do anything for ourselves and wanted to connect with our oppressor forever and ever uh, crushed it. Uh, we talk, when we talk about this, so there's always been this move to unite Africa and unite African people. You know what I mean? So for us, we recognize that since we're a dominated people wherever we are, only rational move for us to become a free and independent people again. And the landmass that is ours, that's our historical homeland, is Africa. Richest continent on the face of the earth. Richest continent on the face of the earth. So Africa is, is our homeland. Africa is wealthy. Africa is the place that makes sense for us to establish for all African people. Just like what Marcus Garvey and the United Universal Negro Improvement Association were attempting to do in the early 1920s to establish once again our ability to be an independent people, self-governing people, people in control of our own affairs, where the resources of Africa are used to create the transportation systems, the healthcare systems, clean water systems, uh, whatever systems that governments create that would work to meet the needs of African people everywhere. So we're talking about when we say we want a free United Africa. That's the, that's the vision that not only Marcus Garvey worked for, that's the vision that Kwame Nkrumah was from so-called Ghana, was fighting for, for all African people everywhere to be able to have our own government again, and that Africa would be the would be the place where that government would be located. And it wouldn't be a government that would work in the interest of a handful of Africans at the expense of everybody else. It would be an African government that would work to make sure the resources are used for the masses of African people who right now experience the worst kind of poverty and misery. So that's what, that's what we mean when we say we want a united Africa. Oh, great answer. Great, 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 great. And clap, clap on that, clap on that. <laughs> now, now look, I'm, I got your brochure that I got from the, the MLK. MLK. And thank you, Kunde. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm reading reading it and something is going to my next question. Now, your organization is a big advocate of self-reliance and self-determination. And I, I, I just got off the phone with my coworker who was talking about that. Um, it, it seems like 
Mm-hmm. Let's bring the Black Lives Matter movement. It seems like a lot of uh, org- that and a lot of organizations and businesses are making money off us as a people, Africans, uh, and profiting off our struggles in our culture. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we're not not having the fortitude to come together and be like, man, let's be let's be self-reliant and have the self-determination like our people in Tulsa in night in before the the, the big the riots in uh, nineteen twenty-one. Uh, so you know, tell me how does ADEP provide self-reliance and self-determination for the people of Africa? Um, I think ADEP, uh, not I think, ADEP teaches uh, us how to be self-reliant um, and self-determination through our programs. Like, all, all of our programs are centered around that. And as Aisha, as Dr. Aisha mentioned earlier, uh, ADEP is... Um, one of five mass organizations of the Uhuru movement. And in the Uhuru movement, we're seen as a developmental arm um, to teach us how to be self-reliant, how to be self-determining. Because, you know, if we say we're going to reject all of these capitalist institutions and um, and agencies and all these other things that capitalism has provided um, at, at our expense, and that means that we're going to have to be able to do these things for ourselves. And although it's great that a community garden, for instance, or a community farm in West Africa provide food and healthy foods to the community, but it also teaches us how to be self-sufficient, you know, how to grow our own food so that when the Walmart, um, for whatever reason, runs out of food uh, because we're in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, and that's people are going to, you know, uh, in, mo- in most cases, white people that have the ability to go buy, you know, dollars worth of food at one time you know and, and all of the food is going to walmart how, how do that we, we can't starve just because they say that there's no more food we have to have the ability to feed ourselves um you know our education programs like like dr Aisha said teaches our our children um and, and adults uh information uh that that they're not going to receive in a colonial classroom setting because it doesn't teach us how to solve problems in our communities it doesn't teach us how to advance to our communities, how to come together as a community uh, to collectivize our skills, but that's that's what ABDEP is, you know, and you don't give somebody self-reliance or, you know, you, you don't give someone self-sufficiency, but it's something that um, that's, that's, that's taught and that the masses have to um, have to be one to taking taking back our you know uh taking back our resources and then learning what to do with them so that everybody can benefit from it and that it's not at the expense of, of, of anyone else and i think um uh and you know and and not to say this in an antagonistic way or anything like that but the who movement because it's not about black people just taking over capitalism but about black people uh about africans uh turning back home to Africa and not as capitalists, not as uh, rich people just to there to make a profit off of the land. And while the masses of people still suffer and live in poverty without clean water, food, um, and all the the basic necessities of life, but it's about um, African people returning to a coming into a socialist economy, a socialist state. And that's something that no, no other movement is doing. And, uh, you know, no one else is holding us accountable to things like that. Not Black Lives Matter, not anything else. And, and I think it's just a who movement is, is it, as far as anything that I've seen, it can, it can be compared because we're trying to address all of the contradictions to the, to the poor working class African community and not just black business owners or black people that have the ability to go, you know, to, to afford to go back to Africa right now and all of those things, but empowering the poor working class community with self-sufficient programs, programs that teach you how to do for self that nobody in the community has to suffer or go without the basic uh, uh, needs of life. Wow. Okay. All right. Y'all bringing the funk here, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, with all that being said, last question: How can so you don't like all these terminologies for, for the uh, for the Africans? I mean, take yeah. erase this word here off yeah. my notes. How can the African community help ADEP reach its goals? Because I see a lot of ways y'all can we can contribute, but I'm allowing you to tell the community how can we how can we help you uh, uh, fund your programs and 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 make a better 
African community as a whole. Yes. I'll say some things and I know Kundai is like over really important aspect of our work that focuses on that too. Mm-hmm. I'll say some things generally and I'll let her uh, get on home. But number one thing I can say is to recognize that this is your organization. You know, and it's uh, that this is, this is, this organization was established uh, for African people to join, to be a part of. Um, it wasn't established as a, Isha thing or Kundai thing or it wasn't established as a social club or a clique or a sorority or some kind of special club where you got to knock five times and spin around let somebody beat you up anything like that oh, like, oh, this wait, was- wait 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 I'm, <laughs> I'm in the frat well, hold on go ahead <laughs> It's not what it is. And no and nor is it a religious organization. Okay. Which means that it's open for African people anywhere you are if you unite with our principles of unity to join, you know, and to make your contribution and to make your mark on this organization and to you know contribute your skills and to help to develop strategies and plans for how we can develop even beyond what we've done because we've done some good things and I'm, you know, I'm pretty pleased with with what we've done over the years, but African people aren't free yet. So we got a lot more work to do. So there's no time at our backs. It's time to really do more digging in and win more people, more of our people to active participation in this organization. And so I think that's the number one thing is that we want people to know that this is, this is your organization can join, can be uh, become an active member and play your role that way. You can join and let your resources do your talking for you. You know, maybe you might not have time at this point, or maybe there might be a specific kind of program that you might want to participate in. Should that, you know, should that kind of program come and, uh, you know, uh, you know, you can become so you can set your level of participation so you can become an active member, which we're always looking for, or you can become an inactive member and just again allow your dues to you know to do your work for you um you can become a volunteer you can shop at zenzele there's just so many different ways and the main thing really is that uh is that we um we want uh to uh african people to uh to take responsibility for getting ourselves out of this condition we know we're not responsible for putting ourselves in it we're not blaming us for all the things that we're dealing with. We know who whose responsibility, you know, who who put us in this place. But it is our responsibility to get out of it. Nobody is going to do it for us. We have to do it for ourselves. So, uh, so we exist as do the other organizations in your movement to give our people an organized way to be able to fight back um, and an organized way to be able to really build a genuine future. Uh, for our people. And I know unity is one of those words that we, we use a lot as a people. And sometimes people are frustrated because they don't feel that we have unity. Sometimes people are calling for unity. We need unity as black people, you know, but the highest expression of unity is organization. Mm. That is the highest expression of unity. Mm. So we have to get organized. That's the way we show that, that we are a united uh, people. So I know Kunda, she's over our volunteer processing she's very instrumental with our you know with our store we've got great fundraisers coming up so even if folks just want to participate in our fundraisers you know there's so many ways that people can make a contribution so that's what i would offer and i know that probably has some other maybe more specifics that people you know that people could uh could do immediately yeah um people can uh when we have like i said um I serve as our volunteer coordinator. People can volunteer. Uh, we do volunteer orientations the first and third Tuesday of every month. Right now, they're virtual. So it's um, through a video call. The next one is going to be um, this upcoming Tuesday on the 16th, uh, June 16th at 6.30 p.m. And if people are interested, they can email us at Huntsville. Um, at ruralvolunteer.org or go to our website and um, just click on the volunteer tab. Our website is developmentforafrica.org. And um, it can, uh, people, if you're here in Huntsville, you can come by the store and, uh, you know, grab a flyer for your information. 
but again, the volunteer orientations are virtual. And as um, Aisha said, people can also join. You can go to developmentforafrica.org slash membership and join. And if you're not sure, you're like, okay, maybe, you know, three areas of folks want to talk care, education, and agriculture. You know, I don't have skills in, in either one of those things. That's okay because we have a lot more departments and now we, you know, we have an ad, uh, info and ed department, um, our volunteer team. I mean, we have home banking. You don't have to just have skills in healthcare, education, and agriculture to be a part of this organization. If you are just simply, um, you know, as, as Aisha always say, if you're a freedom-loving person, a freedom-loving African, you know, and, and you want to uh, give your skills to the, to the community and understand that you have a responsibility to your community, then this is the organization for you. Whether you feel like you have the skill sets or not, we're going to find a place for you because we got a lot of work to do. Um, so, you know, we just encourage people to join and volunteer with us. And we need active members. And I think African people have to, especially now in this time, I think can see it a little bit more clearly. We have to start making time for, for us because this isn't just about how can people help, like Aisha, Dr. Aisha said, uh, just helping Dr. Aisha or just helping Kundai. But it's about helping you and your community because ultimately, you know, our plan is for all African people to, um, to get free and to have the ability to, to determine our own destiny. And so if you if you want to get involved, you know, if you want to how to how to help, this is, this is organizations going to help you. This is how can you help you? You're going to help you by joining the app, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the fundraiser uh, yes. got coming up too? Yes, the pain and sip. So some, if, if, if you're, some of your viewers are local, um, some of you may know that we have our monthly pain and sips with Corbin here in Huntsville. But right now, you know, because of the pandemic, we're doing it online. And so this is going to be our first time doing our virtually and I'm really excited every anybody that knows me with the store knows that my favorite uh fundraiser that we do is the pain and sip it's so much fun and I love Bert so much everybody loves Bert he's just uh the best instructor and so the pain party is um we're doing it's a Juneteenth themed pain and sip and so uh, after you register, you're gonna, um, we're gonna, sh- if you're not in Huntsville, we're gonna ship out your canvas, paint, and paintbrushes. If you're in Huntsville, you can come to Zinsley Consignment and pick up your materials. And then on June 20th, Saturday, June 20th at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, we're gonna go uh, live on Zoom. It's not gonna be live anywhere else. It's just gonna, you're gonna have to have the link, and you only get the link if you register. Um, and so you're gonna get a link to come in at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time on Saturday, June 20th, where Bert Corbin is gonna um, instruct us on a virtual painting tip. You're gonna set your camera up, grab your favorite bottle of wine, or if you juice or juice or water or whatever <laughs> you like to, you know, whatever, whatever you know, floats you boat. And so, um, and then, you know, just in, in set up and, you know, maybe throw on a list, nice music in the background and just, you know, a nice space for you to just enjoy this pain and sip, uh, socialize with other people from all over. This first one is only, you know, um, in the U.S. So just being able to socialize with Africans all over the, the U.S. and interacting with Bird, And then at the end of it, being able to have a beautiful masterpiece, a beautiful um, image of uh, Harriet Tubman um, is, is who we decided to... Uh, you know, um, use as our image for Juneteenth. And the registration is $35. Uh, if you're here locally, if you are, if you need your image shipped, if you're outside of Huntsville, it's uh, $42.50. Um, that's for including um, shipping. If uh, And if you have multiple people that you want to, maybe you have, you know, um, uh, uh, a few, several of you in your home and you want multiple canvases shipped, um, you can email us. Um, the email information is, is on our pages and uh, where you can get a lower shipping rate. You can go to um, our Eventbrite page, Zenzelay Consignment, or you can go on Facebook to Zenzelay Consignment and check out our event page to, um, to find out more how to register. Or you can simply email us at info at zenzelayconsignment.com. All right, all right. Well, that ends my interview with ADEP. Once again, I appreciate Dr. Fields and, and Kundai. But before I go, um, I want to let the community know about this organization. Um, I saw um, Dr. Fields. I saw a video on Facebook. Dr. Fields going to the courthouse and letting her views be known about police brutality. So I just and I've I seen this organization be posted on social media by other other individuals as well. This organization is really active in the, in the community. 
my uh, my my listeners. So this they're not just lip service. They're they 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 about that that work. You know what I'm saying? So I truly appreciate you, Doctor Fields and and, and Kundai for uh, being a beacon of light in the African American community. Although not only just in Huntsville, but worldwide based uh, based on what you had stated earlier in this interview and i uh you have motivated me to try to i don't know about being active but busy <laughs> but i'm gonna try to give you do a financial uh or a donation or try to be right. try to provide my services because i, I africa is a very uh, a passion of mine mm-hmm. and and i, I want to do more in the community and it's more than being a social media activist or a thug you know what I mean? You got to, you got to, you got to, you got to, you got to put boots on the ground. There so, it is. There it is. Yeah. So, um, uh, once again, I appreciate you all for being authentic because I seen your work. You are, you are telling the, telling the people this, but I actually seen it, my viewers. So they're, they're about it. So I appreciate a depth for being a beacon of light. And, uh, I ask my viewers to go on the website, look them up, and, and, and help them out as well. Now, this is Marcus. Uh, uh, before I leave, I always give out my, my favorite uh, saying, and that is, knowledge is power, economic freedom is salvation, but if you put the two together, you can build a great nation. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and and, and you're listening to Rebuke. Thank you. <laughs>